Hi, welcome to Cancer, the Emotional Mountain. I'm Tammy, a cancer patient with a roller coaster of emotions, and I want to share them with you. With the diagnosis of cancer comes emotions, feelings that no doctor can prepare you for, feelings that can sometimes consume you and take you over. As you try to navigate all the medical terminology, treatments, surgeries, friends, family, you have a mountain in your path. Some days the path is easy. No steep hills, no cliffs. And on other days, it might as well be Mount Everest without a guide, without food or water, and not even a map. In those days, you need someone who understands, who walks the same path, someone who climbs with you. And that's where I come in. Take my hand and let's take it one step at a time together. I'm picking my battle. So I've met with the doctor. She's wonderful. I'm finally coming out of my fog to determine what this is all about and how to go forward. And we discuss surgery. Yep, let's do that. I have a mass the size of a grapefruit sitting on my ovary and it must go. Easy decision. Tick that box. So surgery is scheduled. And about a week later, I'm heading to the hospital. It's still very COVIDy out. So my cousin has driven me and she's allowed to accompany me to the pre-op. Oh, good. I'm in very unfamiliar surroundings and tad nervous about all this. I've been given my hospital-issued gown, footies, cap, and stuffed my things in a bag that has my name in big black sharpie. Nurses are nice. We're going through all the same questions I've been answering for a month. I definitely know my birthday. Don't think I can flunk this part of the test. And now my cousin must leave. Wait, what? I guess once they have you in custody, they want to get that extra germy person out. I'm okay. I'm okay. Just lay here and wait. Look around. Small room. It's cold. I ask for a blanket. Blanket granted. My captors seem to be friendly. And then the doctor arrives. She's here today. This must be happening. She lets me know that she'll have me out of the hospital by 6 p.m. tonight. I'm having a total hysterectomy and leaving? If everything goes as planned, yes. Okay. I can do that. Can I do that? She says she wants me out of this hospital. Oh, that's right. The only reason I'm getting this surgery is because my grapefruit is killing me. I keep wanting to forget that part. Elective surgeries aren't being done right now. Now, because I've been a bit reluctant to get too overly involved in the details, I'm laying in pre-op and learn how serious this whole thing is. The doctor says to me, and I'm going to make this a little less medical because I don't speak medical. The marker for my cancer is CA-125. Someone without ovarian cancer has a CA-125 of 0 to 10. 
Someone who should be getting checked regularly, but still doesn't mean they have cancer, is anywhere between 0 and 30. When I left Utah two weeks before, my CA-125 was 6,000. My CA-125 today, laying in pre-op, is 9,000. I think that was the first time I felt scared. I mean, really, really scared. As scary as surgery can be, my inside voice was screaming, Get it out! Get it out! Get it out! Get out! And off the doctor went, See you soon! Now I'm laying there thinking about numbers. Thinking about going home in a few short hours, hollow on the inside. And then I hear it. Code blue, isolation. Code blue, isolation. I see two nurses outside my door looking at each other. I call out, is that the COVID floor? They look at me and nod. Oh, geez, get me out of here. I heard code blue three more times before I was given the happy stuff and wheeled away. Not a comforting way to drift off, but a great motivator on what would happen when I woke up. And true to her words, I was wheeled to the lobby, out to the car, and went home at 6 p.m. Two weeks later, after my surgery, I had my follow-up. Notice now I can use a little bit of medical jargon after two and a half years of cancer treatment. I entered this whole process with one very firm conviction. No chemo. I'd do the surgery and then move on. I'd watch chemo destroy my mom and radiation destroy my dad. Treatments were invasive. What's the saying? Chemo kills the bad cells, but it also kills the good ones. I had read somewhere during my mother's illness that statistics prove that most chemo patients die of malnutrition before the cancer. Oh, I'm not going to do that. On my way to Louisiana, when I stopped at a friend's to rest, I shared this belief. He wasn't happy with me. His partner had gone through cancer, surgery, and chemo, and here he was. Why did I have such a closed mind? I didn't give our conversation much, much thought. I just knew I wasn't going to do it. Pick your battles, as they say. So in my follow-up, the doctor is drawing a picture, telling me about my surgery, my mass, my results. She's drawing little tiny pin dots. That's what was left behind in my abdomen after the mass was removed. Little tiny pin dots. The chemo would get rid of that. And there I was, nodding, agreeing, and feeling like I'd had this idea all along. Sure, let's do chemo. Get those tiny little pin dots. And how about an extra chemo for that clinical study? Well, you betcha, sign me up. What brought that on? Well, years ago, I lost a wonderful, dear friend to ovarian cancer. Her name was Kim. Kim had gone through surgery and chemo and came out of it. And a couple of years later, it returned with a vengeance, and suddenly Kim was gone. I decided that for the Kims of the world, and even for me, to be in a clinical study and possibly help other people, I had to do it. I was excited to do it. I was honored to be chosen. So next up, after our follow-up, 
is the port. Appointment on December 31st. I'd start my new year with a new foreign body inside of me. Well, my mom had had one. Okay, let's get a port. So that receiving not two, but three chemos won't collapse my veins. Easy breezy, plug in, let the poison in. Funny story about the port. Since it was New Year's Eve, not many patients that day in the outpatient. I was given the paperwork, brief explanation of what was going to happen. And I absorbed, you'll be put under. Yay, I love sleeping through things. In the OR at 11, woke up at noon and was rushed out the door in minutes while the staff short, poured champagne and started to welcome in the new year. I'd have had some, but I was feeling a little wobbly. Got home, looked at the paperwork. You'll recover after the procedure for about one hour. Hmm, more like five minutes, but I'm okay. I'm home napping. Two weeks later, chemo school. There's a school? Well, this will be interesting. Think of all the things I'm going to learn. Turns out, not so much. The PA and the clinical research nurse were my instructors. Both more interested in outdoing each other than they were of me. Fairly amusing to watch if I hadn't been somewhere other than at the receiving end. I've watched women hate each other in corporate settings, yet very similar. I left feeling like, if you want to learn anything, maybe read the papers. Because that was not real informative. I did remember one thing. Wash your hands before and after you use the restroom. And don't let anyone else use your restroom. It's full of chemo-ick. Translation, I'm walking poison. Chemo day was approaching. I thought I was okay. I was grossed out by my port. My original growth was on the inside, and this one was sticking out. Ugh. And I couldn't touch it. But the night before my first treatment, I lost my shit. I mean panic, fear, terror, hysterics. What's going to happen to me? I can't do it. I really can't do it. I woke up my cousin. I sobbed. She hugged me. And after about 30 minutes of pep talks from my cousin and Laura, the angel cancer survivor, I went to bed, had to be at the hospital at 7 a.m., nine hours of treatment. I laid in the darkness and watched the clock. I wanted to go home. I was lost. Laura dropped me off at the front of the hospital the next morning, and somehow my legs carried me into the infusion suite. Still covid Still no one can come in. I opened the door, smiled, and met my nurse. Here we go. Nine hours later, my cousin picked me up at the front. I was walking out of the hospital in one piece. I was fighting. I was feeling good, and I was proud of myself. Look out, world, one down, five to go. The next day, I drove my grown-up self to the hospital for the new Lasta shot. I didn't learn much about that in chemo school, but here I was, poking the arm, heading back home. That was easy. I'm killing this treatment thing. Until the next morning, I thought I was hemorrhaging in my brain. I have never been in so much pain. I spent the entire weekend in bed, holding my head, squeezing it. No amount of pain pillars could stop it. Monday morning, first thing, I'm on the phone to my doctors. 
I'm in so much pain. What can I do? Do. I took the message. I was at 8.30. 9 a.m., 10 a.m. At 11, I call again. Yes, they passed on the message, but still nothing from the PA or the doctor. At noon, my cousin put me in the car, and we headed to the doctor's office, which the door is locked because of COVID. I called. I'm outside. I have to see someone. I can't take this pain. About 15 minutes later, a nurse came out with a prescription for a lightweight pain med. Filled it? Nothing. Three days later, I could finally sit up, sit up without a number 10 pounding headache. More calls to the doctor's office. More calls ignored. I was referred to palliative care. Got an appointment for the next week. I was given morphine. I'm not taking that. Oh, and I did get a snarky message that I was told during chemo school that I'm supposed to take Claritin after the Nulasta shot. You love her voice? Take Nulasta after the... Take Claritin after the Nulasta shot. Oh, was I? Would well, that have been during the pissing contest between Nurse Ratchet and I Know It All PA? Well, spoiler alert. Tried Claritin for all the following treatments. Doubled up on Claritin for all the following treatments. Doesn't touch the pain. Not one bit. And in palliative care, I learned, oh, a lot of women have that complaint. <laughs> okay. My next visit to the doctor, I was informed by the PA that if I ever showed up at the office demanding to see her, she would call the police. Yep. Those are the honest-to-God, truthful words. Threatened by the person who's supposed to be saving my life. I chose to just get through the treatments and move on with my life. I didn't have the strength or resources to fight, and sadly, this was the only game in town in 2021. We were a captive audience with this type of cancer. The lesson from this story is, be brave. Don't let them bully you. This is your life. I didn't know what I could do. I thought I was supposed to do whatever they told me to do. And luckily, I had the love and support of friends and family who were praying for me. And I was tough, tough enough to get through this. Smile when I had to interact with the enemy. I was going to show them. All that anger and determination got me through six rounds of chemo, two blood transfusions, and pain in my head that I'd gotten through every three weeks. I could not wait to be done with this group of clowns. There was a couple other oops by the doctor's office that could have been considered not good for my health and well-being. Like when the PA ordered a strong thyroid medication for me to take the day of my chemo. Otherwise, you're not getting a treatment. By the end of my infusion that day, my heart was racing, my temperature was climbing, and I was shaking all over. At first, they considered keeping me overnight in the hospital. But I willed myself to stop the shakes, lower the heart, and breathe. I was happily heading home an hour later. Thanks for checking to see if I needed that much. I know everything, PA. You may wonder, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you complain? Especially those that know me. I'm not a dainty flower. 
I'm a roaring lion in most cases. But like I said, this was not the battle I wanted to pick. I was busy with the first one. And I survived. I completed the round. Oh, I was given four CAT scans in a matter of three months and had to have a kidney test to make sure I wasn't getting too much radiation. Thank you again, Super, super PA. But I learned a great deal. Number one, you can switch doctors. Would have been nice to see a doctor during all this time, but that's not how that office works. The doctor is apparently very busy. Number two, be your own advocate. What if any of those mistakes had cost me my life? I'm no longer a smile and move on kind of patient. And I haven't had to be. My new doctor and staff are top notch. Perfect, if you ask me. Two years later, I would recommend them to anyone. I call my doctor, Dr. McDreamy, and his associate, Dr. McCotty, and they truly are. His PA is the best. Oh, and I actually see the doctors, not the PA. His navigation nurse should win a Nobel Peace Prize. I now know what great health care looks like. Number three, I'm a fighter. I'm surrounded by love and support, which I believe is the best medicine, which is why I say 2% medicine, 98% attitude. Some of what went on in the beginning could have crushed me, but I had my children, my animals, to live for. I had the power of prayer that lifted me each and every day. But what I didn't know was that things were about to get even more challenging. It was the summer of 2021, and the progress I'd made up the mountain halted, and I slid back down, down into a deep valley. Thanks for joining me this week. Please join me next week for more of the story. In the meantime, remember, life has got all those twists and turns. You've got to hold on tight and off you go. Nicole Kidman. Thinks she would know. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, and have a great week. Bye-bye.